hope you guys have had a great week. If you have kids, I think we're all back into back to school, right? Getting that first week down. We dropped our kids off this week. It's so different now. You just drop them off. They don't want you to walk them in. It's okay. Uh, things change. We're not needed in some areas. We're needed in others, right? This week I was reflecting on my May me versus my August me. So in May, when they got out of school, we were going to read every day because reading 20 minutes a day like makes you super smart. And then we're going to go over math facts every day because we want to be ready for school. And we are going to do it. So I was like super hopeful. And I had plans in May. And then August me is like, well, crud, we ran out of time. We didn't do the stuff. So I feel like I got to make up for it. So I'm like randomly yelling out math facts, you know, eight times four. Who can give me eight times four? You know, we're getting in the car, seven times three. And I'm like, oh, crud, I have so much to make up for, for failing all summer long, right? It's okay. They're back in school. It's going to be good. We're going to make it through one more year. So it doesn't matter what kind of person you are. If you're the kind of person that has your chore charts on the wall, and you're ready to go, and you're just disciplined and organized, or if you're more like me and a little chaotic, we're glad you're here. Take a breath and enjoy the service, and we're so glad that you're visiting with us, if this is, uh, you're visiting with us today, whether online or in person, and so we would love to connect with you, and the easiest way to do that is to go to mybethel.cc connect, and there's a space there for you to fill out your information, um, so we can just check in on you this week and see if we can answer any questions for you and see how we can serve you. If you're actually in the house, the seat back in front of you has some information as well. We are continuing on week two of a new series called Wage War. I think so many times when we hear the word war, we think about enemies, right? We think about the Taliban and ISIS and going to war with our fists up. But this look into First Peter is about war within, about the war that we have with ourselves. And that one sometimes is a little more hard to understand and hard to swallow. So today we're going to be looking at stones and throwing stones and what that looks like. So let's get started. Week two, wage war. Morning, Bethel. How you guys doing? Awesome. 11 o'clock service is always more lively. I think you guys had a little extra sleep, which is awesome. Um, normally, I got to tell you, normally we have a lot of babies in the first service, and then the second service is like the people without babies. There's 15 babies over in the nursery, all of them crying at the same time. So it's okay. They got great workers, so it's, it's all good, okay? Your babies are cared for. It's all, it's all good, all right? A few things before we jump into today, uh, today's message. We're going to be in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We also, on our Bible app, you can follow along in the Bible app under the live event, um, and then we'll also, of course, have it on the screen, but very good. Let's pray. This uh, week two 
is kind of down to the work. We're going to start the work this week in our, in our own souls, and then we're going to carry on through the series. So this one kind of, last week was a why, this week is kind of let's get to work, okay? So I want us to pray, kind of quiet our, our hearts for a minute, uh, and ask God to do the work. There, there's something, sometimes we want to hear a big thing from God, and sometimes God's just talking in that small quiet, okay? So let's quiet our souls, and let's ask God to uh, speak to us today. Let's pray. God, right now as we jump into second, uh, First Peter chapter 2. Um, God, there's some things that are waging war in our hearts, and you know it. And so right now we're just asking you to quiet our hearts. There's distractions. There's things we're going to do this afternoon and this week, and there's, um, there's things that we, we need to be about. But right now for this time we're together, I pray that we could just remove all distractions and let our focus be on your word and what you want to do in our hearts. God, this battle that's waging, waging good and evil in our hearts, uh, we know it's a, it's a big one, but it's one that you've given us the power through your spirit to overcome. And so give us your spirit, let us be discerning, and God, as we dig into your word, let us uh, do the hard work of actually reflecting uh, on our souls. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So just to remind you of the purpose for this series is there's a battle waging internally. Every single person is waging the, the battle, and it's a war that Scripture talks about from the beginning all the way to the end, and it's a war uh, with sin. And so sin simply is the, the unmet goal of God. And so God has this goal, and it's not meeting that goal. That's what's sin, something imperfect. Here, here's the struggle with sin and di- defining sin. There's some things that are easy. You know, we say, well, don't kill anybody. Well, that's, an, that's kind of an easy one to define. But there's other struggles that for me would be sinful, but maybe not for you. And maybe you struggle with some things that I don't struggle with, so it's not a sin for me. And so we're having to figure out internally, each of us, our own work, to see what it is that God is leading us to confront in our own lives. It's a lot of self-confrontation. Our theme verse for this series comes in verse 11 of chapter 2. We're going to actually work through this today. And this verse simply says this, Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And so this verse tells us that whether you want to be in the battle or not, you're in. The, the war is waging and the war is raging, and if you're going to engage in it or not, it doesn't matter. The war is still happening. And so there's no innocent bystanders in this war. Sin is something that affects every single person in all of human history. And so we are all waging this war. And Peter, as he's writing this, he's not someone that's like disconnected or far off from the war that's waging. He actually, if you remember his story, it's very well documented in Scripture, this is a man that experienced all ups and downs. He was with Jesus when Jesus performed miracles, and then he was also with Jesus as he denied Jesus, that he was the Son of God. He also um, was with Jesus one time, and he tried to get him not to go to the cross, and Jesus called him Satan. And so you have a guy that's like on the top and on the bottom with his Jesus experience, and he experiences the shame, and he understands the regret of putting his foot in his mouth. He, he understands the regret of making some bad decisions along the way, And so when we see Peter writing about waging war, it's not someone that doesn't understand the battle plan. It's not someone that hasn't already done this. If you remember at the end of his, at the end of Jesus's life, he's sitting there watching Jesus being, um, being, he was being accused of being guilty and going to be crucified. And Peter's there and he looks at Jesus and he denies him. And then Jesus looks at him and he walks away. And if you read scripture, he actually goes back to his old vocation. He goes back to his old way of life. And then Jesus comes and finds him. And he says, listen, You still have a plan to do. You've made some mistakes, but it's okay. Let's continue to fight the battle. So by the time he writes 1 Peter, 
We see the man that has battled his own heart and was shaped by the Holy Spirit to actually wage war. First Peter, Second Peter, his writings are actually his feeding of the flock, his feeding of the church. So if you remember, Jesus restored him to his position of leadership. He bestowed on him the authority of the early church. He renewed the focus of his calling. This was to feed the flock, to feed us. And all these years later, 2,000 years later, we're still receiving benefit from Peter's teaching. This particular letter was written to the churches that were scattered across Asia Minor, and he was trying to encourage the believers to walk as if they had met Jesus, walk as if they knew that he was doing something in their life. The whole idea of this letter is hope, it's victory over the battle within, and the victory comes with Jesus. And he keeps pointing us back over and over again to Jesus. He never gets tired of pointing us to him. Uh, let's read verse 1. We're going to jump in. And if you remember chapter 1, it was all the why we're doing this. In chapter 2, he just jumps right in. He says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kind of speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a, into a full experience of, of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have a taste of the Lord's kindness. He starts off with something pretty dramatic where he says, get rid of all evil behavior. Now, that's kind of a big undertaking, and so don't turn your ears off and don't turn your heart off because if we, are, if we know ourselves at all, we understand the darkness that's lurking in our own souls, in our own hearts. And, and Peter is actually inviting us to wage war against our own evil desires. And I don't want to go too far into the message without actually saying that we are waging a personal war against personal evil, not the evil that we see around us. Because what happens is, as, as Christians, the further we walk along, we begin to judge people that are around us living differently than we are, and we begin to point fingers instead of looking at our own selves and battle inside. And so today we're declaring war on the evil that's in our own hearts, not in the person sitting next to us. And I know today you're going to be like, uh -uh, you're going to go like that. That's not today, okay? Today it's actually reflecting internally. We tend to recognize the evil that's around us. We externally recognize the evil that other people are battling or not battling. And we end up pointing fingers. We think it's our job to call out and wage war with evil on the outside when the battlefield actually is in front of us. It's internal. And Peter expounds on what it means, uh, that what, what some of these evil things are. I don't usually go into the, the Greek when I share. I, I read it just because I'm curious what the words mean, but kind of my nerd self comes out every once in a while, and there's a word that sh jumps out this week, and it's the word pas, P-A-S, and it's the word all. And this word all, if we're in English, we think all, and we think of this like collective all. Well, Peter actually several, several times uses this word as both individual and then a sense of a collective idea. So it's an individual and a collective idea where he says that you have to get rid of all evil behavior individually, but also as a collection in your life. And so it helps me to look at this list because I can say, well, I'm not a deceiving person typically. And yet if I look at certain situations, I have deception every once in a while in certain times of day or, or conversations that I have. We all tend to give ourselves a pass on smaller incidents of deception, smaller incidences of unkind speech, um, generally we say we're a kind person. But if you're like me, there's like this threshold, and people that know me and have been at my house past 10 o'clock know that my threshold is 10 o'clock. Like at 10 o'clock, I transform. 
and the filter's gone, and I'll say it like it is, and I'll be kind of mean. Is anybody, you know, don't raise your hands because you've been there, you've seen it. We have a time. And so if you're like me, you are generally a nice person, but there's a time when we're just a jerk. And so what we look at is we say, get rid of all unkind words. Oh, I'm, an, I'm a kind person, typically, until this happens, or until I'm around this person, or until I'm behind the wheel and I'm on I-40 and there's construction or whatever. So whatever the situation is, we have a threshold. I was talking to my dad, and my dad's funny because my threshold's 10 o'clock, his threshold's 9 o'clock. I guess the older you get, your threshold kind of comes back, you know? And I know some of you, it's 1 o'clock, so I don't know. I mean, all of us have our, our time, and what Paul is saying is, or Peter, sorry, is saying, generally speaking, kind of collectively, it's easy to identify the collective behavior, but what about those individual situations that the people that know you the most are like, what about that thing? And so Peter is speaking both individually and collectively. He's encouraging us to do a deeper look into our soul. He's encouraging us to look at motivations and things that are kind of unseen. He says, get rid of all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all kinds of unkind speech or those wounding words that come out. Now, this, this idea of get rid of, he says it twice, and this idea of getting rid of is, in, in the original language, is pretty severe. So if you went home today, you're sitting on the couch, maybe you're taking a nap, I don't know, doing whatever you do on Sunday afternoons, and you feel something on your shoulder, and you look over, oh, there's a spider. Okay, cool. You go back to sleep? Is that what you would do? What about a scorpion? Maybe a scorpion sitting there, and you're just like, oh, cool, he'll go. He'll, he'll leave. They'll, they'll get off my shoulder. No, no, I mean, I think, I think most of us, and depending on our degrees of phobia, we'd be like freaking out, you know, like, ah, you know, jumping back, and have you seen, I don't know why this popped in my head just now, but have you seen those, those little YouTube things about putting a, a cucumber by a cat? Yeah, have you seen that? It's kind of weird. So look up cucumber and cats. It's a weird deal. They're just eating and all nonchalant, and then you put a cucumber, bring the jump, and it's funny. I mean, that's like weird. So that cat is in danger by this cucumber, and he's jumping, okay? If you have a spider or a scorpion on your shoulder, you're not going to just go back to sleep or sit there and be like, oh, he'll, he'll crawl off eventually, right? It's like, what? You know, it's like real fast, and you move quick. That's the idea that Peter is saying to get rid of is actually treating it like a threat. And so when this comes up and creeps up in our life, not just collectively but individually, he's saying you need to treat it like a threat to your soul health. So none of us would just sit there and let it happen. All of us would do something about it and do it pretty aggressively to get rid of it as if it's unsafe. And, and what Peter is saying is essentially indulging these behaviors is at the expense of your soul. And so it's this little step towards danger in your soul. So he says, get rid of it. Most of us would ask the question, so, so how do I do this? Like, I mean, okay, so I need to get rid of it, but how do I go about doing this? And it's, Christy and I have been on this like journey for 20 some years about seasons of eating healthy and seasons of going to the gym and seasons, seasons of making right choices. And, and we've said it over and over. I mean, so many times I don't know how to, I can't even count. If someone would just tell me what to eat, I would eat it. If I had a chef, a personal chef, that just knew what to eat, what I needed, and would just feed me, I would eat healthy. Or if I, if I had a gym and I didn't have to do much work, but if someone told me, lift that, push that, run that, I would do it, right? And we spend lots of money on those things trying to help have someone else tell us how to conform to fix ourselves. Because when we fail, we can say, oh, that, they didn't do it right. That's not me, right? 
Is that just me? Okay, I guess it's just me. I mean, I'm the one that feels that way. Everyone wants a plan of action so that we can make our goals happen. And Peter actually gives the answer to these first, this first verse, and he kind of talks the rest of the chapter through the answer to get rid of these things. He gives us one of the answers in verse 2. He says, crave spiritual milk. And so you're like, okay, so he says, get rid of blah, blah, blah. And then he says, crave spiritual milk. And this crave is just as strong as get rid of. It's the word is just as strong. It's a deep desire and a longing of what drives you. It's a, it's a feeling that something more is out there that we haven't quite got to. It's a sense of almost arriving, but something is quite, kind of out of reach. And I think, here, so here's the, here's the thing. You come to church, not because someone forced you to. Okay, some, some people, you were forced to come today. But most of you, it was your choice. Spencer's holding his little baby. His little baby doesn't have a choice. He's here, okay? Some of us are like that. But most of us have this choice, and we're here. And I think part of it is, maybe today is the day that I'm going to hear something that's going to change the direction of my life. And today, when we read Paul's words, it's that sense of like longing and expectation and something that you crave that's not actually happening right now. My, my, my dad and my brother and my son and the guys in our family, we go on a hiking trip every year in the Rockies. And for the last several years, we've gone and we tent and it's rustic and little by little, I've been adding more things to my, to my pack so that it's more comfortable. So we've, we've, it's not quite glamping because it's still rustic, but we have some, some comforts, you know, like a table and chairs and stuff like that. The problem is you have to carry it up there. So that's a, that's a pain. And the first year I went, it was like day two or three. It was miserable. I was like, oh man, this is like tough. We're hiking all these miles every day. And I got this like overwhelming desire to have a hot hamburger, cheeseburger. I was way up in the Rockies, and I was like, ah, I really want a hamburger. And I actually knew where they were selling them down in the town that was a ways away. You had to hike out and drive to it. And so I convinced everybody to let's go get a burger. We hiked out. I mean, there was that craving. Let's go eat a burger. So, we, so the second year, I kind of did the same thing. Oh, we, we, I think we got to go do something, and we hike out, you know, and go get a burger. Now it's just given. Every year we go on day three, let's go get a burger, you know? And it's the craving that's, like, in there, and it moves you to do something that you didn't plan on doing. And I think what's happening here is Paul, Peter is saying, crave the spiritual milk because it's something that you long for. And he's like, okay, the spiritual milk is not so that you get oversized spiritually, it's not for yourself. It's actually for, it's to experience, he says, the full experience of your salvation. Spiritual milk is not only the word of God, but it's also the Holy Spirit's presence. It's his work in your heart and your soul and your spirit. It's the encouragement of other believers, and it's the discovery of an abundant life. It's peace and it's hope, and in the end, it's Jesus. And if we reduce it to one small activity, we'll miss out on the full experience that God has for us as Christians, as believers. And most of us have no idea of the full depth and breadth of what salvation provides on a daily basis for each of us. We've barely scratched the surface and we're satisfied with meager scraps. And Peter's like, no, no, you need to desire the sincere milk, the, 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 the pure milk, the spiritual milk, because your experience of salvation is far greater than what you guys can imagine. So my question is, what are you feeding yourself? This is not to be confused with Paul's writing when he talks about spiritual milk and meat, because he's talking about maturity. 
That's not what Peter's talking about. Peter's talking about the word or the spiritual milk of spiritual disciplines that you cry out to God for because God is the author. He's the one. And so many people misunderstand this portion of Scripture because for some reason they think they've graduated from the necessity of spiritual milk. None of us are going to be to the point where we've graduated beyond the need of Jesus. And I think there's this idea in the church that I'm going to try and try and try, and eventually I'll be good enough that I don't have to do this stuff. But none of us are going to graduate Jesus. None of us are going to get over Jesus. None of us are going to go beyond Jesus in our lives. And so as we come, and, and it's either you try or you give up. You know, it's like an eating plan. I gave up because I can't do it. Well, Jesus is actually part of our whole life, and he says here, cry out for this nourishment. So we have 15 babies crying in the nursery for different reasons. Why, when you hear a baby cry, what do you think? Oh, look at that. Oh, man. Right on cue. Spencer. Dude, you're the man. Oh, you pinched him. Perfect, dude. Dude. So, so when a baby cries and they weren't pinched, what's the, what's the, why are they crying? They need something. They're, they're, they need the protection and nourishment from the caregiver. And specifically, a lot of times it's nourishment. It's milk or it's changing a dirty diaper, whatever it is, but it's crying out to the dependency of the person caring for them. So when was the last time that you cried out to the Father for spiritual nourishment? When was the last time that you were so desperate for Him to do something that you cried out to Him and said, I, I, right now I need you, I can't do this, I, I need some help? Because once you've tasted it, you'll want more. Once you've experienced it, you'll desire more. And once you've experienced the love and the kindness of Jesus, you'll crave more. And what I want to do just in this moment, right in the middle of the message, is just pause for a second and let's meditate for a minute in silence and actually cry out to God and say, please, I need more. Jesus said that if we need something, to simply ask. He said that if we look for something, we'll find it. Scripture says that if we lack anything, to ask the Father. And so just for a moment, I want us to pause right now. If you're watching online or in person, let's just pause in silence and let's take a moment to ask Let's cry out to the Father, to Jesus, to change us. So just take a minute right where you are and reflect and cry out that he would nourish you spiritually. Jesus, as we're here in the room and we hear a baby crying for his mom. God, that's what Peter is telling us, that if we would cry out to you in desire and in need, you actually would respond like Noah's parents. That you'd respond with care and love and comfort. God, in this moment, my prayer is that we as a church, as a church family, as a community, would cry out for that spiritual nourishment. We cry out for you. Because you're the one that can give us that, that, that longing that we have in our hearts, that, that unmet expectation. You're the one that can show up and fulfill.
Thank you, Jesus. Peter's first question is, what are you feeding yourself? And then his second question is, what are you building? Look at verse 4. It says, you're coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. So he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, never be deceived, never be disappointed. Verse 7, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those that, who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. So the, the thoughts of spiritual milk and the spiritual temple are connected. This first verse says to get rid of, and he's, he's calling us to action, and then he's telling us how we're going to go about that in these two thoughts about the spiritual milk and the spiritual temper. temple. Don't, don't forget the, the benefits of spiritual milk. It's right there in the beginning, which is get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, all unkind speech. So we have two invitations in front of us, and he's inviting us in this next section to be a stone that's actually useful for building or a stone that is only used for damage or injury. Because we can be either one. We can be a stone that lifts and edifies and joins and unifies with others, or we can be a stone that's loose out there just causing damage. These stones, as we look around us, are used to build or to injure people. The stones can cause major damage, or a stone can be a beautiful creation. And when you think about the church, not this building here, not, not what we see externally, but us as people, God's people, the church is not an accidental collective. It's actually an essential one. It's not just a random gathering of people. It's actually something that God is doing for his name. The building is all about Jesus. The stone structure is all about him. It sets the purpose and the structure of the church body on him. And the church without Jesus is simply a beast. It's not anything that should be attractive because the church that Jesus is establishing will never get tired of elevating him, will never get tired of focusing on him because verse 9 says, you are not like that for you are chosen you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into this wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you receive God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even if they can accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This section, as Peter is wrapping it up, he's actually asking us, what are we known for? What are you feeding yourself? What are you building and what are you known for? The prevailing thought when it comes to most followers of Jesus or most Christians or the church, the prevailing thought is actually one of division and hatred and shame and shunning and rejection, bigotry, and the list goes on and on and on. But Peter's actually saying, no, you're not that. That's not you. You're actually this living 
structure that God is forming. And he reminds us that we're not like that anymore. We're God's very own possession. We are not our own. And he says to show the goodness of God to others. So instead of being against a bunch of of things, the church needs to be for a bunch of things with our community, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. And we should turn social media upside down. And instead of sharing all the crap that's out there, we should be sharing hope of Jesus or just simply eliminate our accounts. Because sharing and showing the goodness of Jesus is is, is what matters most, not the things we identify with. And when you look at this, he says, you guys are foreigners, and a lot of us have an identity. A lot of us have identified our things that, that are just passing away. So sometimes we're Oklahomans, sometimes we're Americans, sometimes we're Republicans, sometimes we're Democrat, sometimes we're OU fans, and sometimes we're OSU fans. Sometimes we have this identity that's all wrapped up in a whole lot of temporal things that just go away. And Jesus said, or Paul, Peter, through, Jesus through Peter says, you had no identity as a person, but now you're God's chosen people. It's completely different. The, the creator of the universe actually is your father. And it changes the way we operate and the way we think. And he says there, be a good neighbor. Living properly among our neighbors is kind of like a gut check. And this will be kind of a pushback for most of us because we say, I can do what I want to do. I can live how I want to live. That's true. You can do whatever you want. But as we reflect and as we understand what Jesus is calling us to, we're either building our lives as a reflection of the master builder Jesus or we're reflecting ourselves. We, we have this thought that it's all about me. And yes, we all have our own identities. We have our own struggles. We have our own talents and our gifts and our treasures. We have all our own stuff. And yet God is doing something among us and he's building something. And sometimes God will put another living stone next to you that really tests what you think you, who you think you are. Sometimes the only way for you to understand forgiveness is to have a difficult person next to you. I think sometimes it gives you siblings for that reason, like, oh my goodness, i got to work through this with this person. And it's like, maybe my next door neighbor is that person God has put there for me to work out my salvation and to experience the fullness of salvation. Maybe God has given me a difficult coworker. They can test those things that I say I am. I think God works that way because if I lived as an isolated stone up in the mountains, ah, that's easy. I mean, there's no friction. There's no testing. It's all easy. But as soon as I'm around other living stones, oh, man, my true self comes out. I'm going to ask the band to come out. I want them to prepare for a moment of worship because I want each of us to prepare our hearts. And the word of God through Peter, he's really shown us some truths in this chapter too. Our lives are a continual building project. We're either building or we're destroying. If we indulge in evil behavior and if we let our hearts do their thing, we end up building these strongholds that start small, but then they become these big structures in our hearts and in our lives that become impossible to break down. What ends up happening is those small behaviors, those little shifts, those slight words become roots and walls that keep us from experiencing the fullness of salvation that God wants us to experience. Just like any journey, this starts with like a small, slow step. It may seem overwhelming. It may seem like you don't have the tools under your belt. It just takes one step. It's one small decision. It's one small shift to start our journey. We need the spiritual milk from God, from Christ, to wash away all those evil behaviors that cling to us. We need each other in this spiritual temple 
so that they can encourage us and we can encourage one another on the, along the way. It's a connectedness. It's a one anotherness. So, so my question is, what are you craving? What are you building? Like, what is it that you're doing? Craving and building. We've seen God work, and we see him in Scripture, and a lot of times it's like this disconnected move of God. Like, we see the work, and we're like, that's cool that God did that for them, but he can't do that for me. And, and actually, his spirit is inviting you into a process where he'll do that for you as well. We've seen him break through and change people. We've seen him do miracles. We've seen him experience salvation. And if you haven't, cry out to him today in this time of worship. If you haven't, ask him to do it again in your life. If you, if you need him to do it again, he will. He will give you strength and he'll give you wisdom. And my request and my encouragement to you this morning is don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep waging war because you'll see God do it again. Let's all stand and let's worship together. Jesus, we trust you. God, even when we can't see it clearly, we know that, that we see principles in your word. Well, you'll do, you've, did it once, you've done it once, you'll do it again. And God, all we have to do simply is call out to you and allow you to nourish us, allow us to build in us and use us. God, this morning as we wrap up our service, I, I pray that as we have gathered that, that our hearts would be changed and moved and we begin to do that work in our souls because our very soul is at stake, our joy and our fulfillment and abundant life is at stake. God, we thank you so much for uh, Peter and his example. Um, even when he messes up, God, how you've restored him. So, God, this morning we are grateful for you. We're grateful for a second chance, and we're grateful for you doing the work again in us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So I'm so literal, right? I, and I think, like, you're talking about these living stones. So in my mind, I picture this big wall. Right. And it's like, you're doing great. I'm having a bad day. You can do it. You know, that's how, voice, that's how stones talk. And um, that's the voice. And, you know, and it's like they're alive, and they're, like, helping each other, and they're, like, lifting each other up. And I'm getting tired. I'll lift you up. You know, like, like, all, like all this. And I think of us, like. Could there not be a, a deep voice in there? I mean, uh, No, they're okay. all like that. Okay. Yeah, in right. my head, that's what they are. And, and, and so I think of us as a church, you know, some of those little stones have faces, you know. And it's yeah. like together, God is doing his thing but he's using us to do it. Like we're the pieces that he's using to put in place to yeah. build the church. Right. And that's amazing. Like to think that we get to be a part of that. And, but then I also think the first part of the message you were talking about, eh, there's a spider. That's not me. You right. know, it's right. like no good at all. But how many things am I just so passive with mm. that? I'm just like, eh, maybe next week, next week I'll do the hard work. Next week, I'll, I'll look into that and try to see how I can start getting better. And so then we start just getting comfortable with yeah. the spider. What a gross picture for me because I hate spiders. Getting comfortable with the spider on my shoulder. I don't want to get there. Yeah. But that's where we get. And so I think about the stones and the walls, and then you just kind of give up and you fall out. You know, you're just like, eh, I'm done. And, and then the rocks, the stones just kind of shift a little bit. Yeah. And then, like, eventually we fall hmm. if we're not there for each other to like keep each other up. And so I don't know, that's all that's going well, on in like my a, debriefing head. Well, there's like an individual and a collective sense there where we have our individual work, but then we're tying together. Right. Like I said, I think God actually places people around us to, to test our, like what we believe. Yeah. I mean, so like 
I know, after it's 10 like, p.m., it's like, I know, Christy, this yeah. is your testing zone. No, no, it's like, oh, hey, Ray, okay. you need to go to bed. That's what that's what you're supposed <laughs> okay, to do at okay, that okay. time. <laughs> okay. You're done. That's what you'd be okay. like, you're done. Okay. <laughs> Not that I would listen, but that's what you need right, to say. Right. Well, sometimes <laughs> no, I'm like, uh, you need to go. It's past his bedtime. <laughs> yeah, Some of you have been there and seen it in person. Yes, you know, it's, it's like good. crazy. But, you know, while we were praying, it's like, yes, Jesus, I want to cry out to you for this nourishment. And we had an amazing, like, illustration there, hearing a baby's cry of, like, man, I want that. I want the milk. I want my yeah. mom. I want it. And, well, in the nursery, you mentioned we had a bunch of little stones. Yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. No, you shouldn't have said that because that makes moms uncomfortable. A whole bunch of moms rushed yes. to the nursery. No, but we had a bunch of little baby <laughs> stones crying out. But we had a lot of hard workers in there yeah. rocking. And, like, as soon as... I they were like, cared for. Yeah, they were. And as yeah. soon as this was over, I checked on them and the crying had subsided. It's kind of like one stone starts crying and they all start crying. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's what that was. But <laughs> um, in our prayer, in the prayer time, it's like, yes, Jesus, I want to cry for you. And then like super quickly, it was like, but when I don't, please help me anyways. Help right. me to remember to cry out because I can find myself just like struggling and discouraged. And it's like. Well, how long has it been since I've cried out? Hmm. I forgot. How can I forget to cry out? It just seems so s simple. It seems well, it's like self-sufficiency as we get used to, you know, um, Lily, when she was growing up, she would have this phrase where she got, my do it, my do it. My do it. Yes. So it's like, once you no longer think you need mom and dad, it's like, my do it, my do it. And so that's, that's how we do it with God. in middle school, but it not is. in a different phrase. I know. My do it. Mm, Why are you yeah. so weird? That's just different. It's yeah, a different, it's a whole other conversation. yeah, it's not my do it. It's a different word. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> but I think that, the living stone. So, craving. I yeah. love that word, the crave. It's like, cause I know things I crave yeah. and it's like, man, just to have that craving for you alone and for your nourishment and for your love and guidance and just your strength to get through. Right. And, and so, well, the step is the very first verse is a lot of hard work and the step is right. okay. Crying out for the nourishment right. togetherness with one another. Right. And so there's this really fine line between I'm going to come alongside you so that I can be taught or for me to teach you. And so if your motivation is, I'm going to come alongside this person to tell them how wrong they are, then your motivation is wrong, and then you're not really listening. And so we need one another because we need one another for us, right? right? So yes, you can fall out of the wall by your choice. Right. God has you in his hands, but we also have a choice to be in the wall. But know? it's also super cool to think that we just all get, get to be a part of what God is doing together. Right. And we get to build something wonderful. So thank you guys. So this week, your homework is find out when your time is. Okay, so when yes. is your time? Your and time? like. All right, go to bed. Yes. <laughs> Some of you are like, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes ago. <laughs> I'm hangry, right? Yeah, so, yeah that's know, what it is. That's what it is. Hungry, so um, remember to cry out to him. Don't forget he's there and he's waiting. And his, his word says, cry out for the nourishment. And he's there just waiting to give it. So I just encourage you guys to make that a priority this week and cry out to him. So before you leave today, run, make an appointment with somebody. Have some coffee with somebody. Go to lunch with somebody because part of that is, is important. Sundays is an opportunity for you to see other people and connect with them this week, okay? So don't say, see you next Sunday. Say, I'll see you Tuesday for coffee or whatever, okay? So that's your homework as you leave along with your time thing. So I'll see you at you 9 o'clock. Two tonight. things. Yes. And if we keep staying, I'm going to add more homework. So let's okay, go. Okay, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's go. Remember, here at Bethel, <laughs> we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you Have guys. A Have a good week.